Welcome, everybody, to the DC Tweet Team post-game podcast. I am your host, Andy, and it is Victory Monday. Washington football team 27, the Philadelphia Eagles 17. Today, I am joined by DC Tweet Team founding member, Maurice Hawkins. Maurice, hello. Happy Victory Monday. Happy Victory Monday, mate. <laughs> Very good. You're getting better at that. We're also joined by the from the full press coverage, a big contributor from that, Nate Coleman. Nate, happy Victory Monday to you, sir. Hey, Andy. Thanks for having me, buddy. Uh, you're, more than, you're more than welcome. And big friends of the show, the Burgundy Zone. He's, he's, he's one of the family now. Carl, happy Victory, Victory Monday to you, my friend. How are you, sir? It is a fantastic Monday. I am doing great. It's always a good Monday when a Washington football team gets a W, and it's even sweeter when it's against a divisional rival. Yes, that's the thing. A divisional game. Guys, let's get into it. I mean, what a game we had yesterday. I'll just get your initial thoughts and reactions. Maurice, I'll come to you first, my friend. What are your thoughts, reactions? Obviously, the Washington football team going down 17-0 early doors into the game. You're probably a bit like all of us thinking, oh boy, oh boy. But this wasn't a normal Washington football team game. This isn't a normal Washington football team. We now have a good coach. You know, what is your initial reactions, Maurice? Well, I think there were a couple of things that we talked about in the pregame show. Uh, One, I said that uh, the Washington football team was going to need it to match Philadelphia's aggression. And I think that fourth down play that uh, Coach Rivera uh, went forward when the team could have easily kicked the field goal. Uh, I thought that was a, a really powerful, aggressive move. I mean, not only did it put the team in a position to score a touchdown um, and later on in that drive, but I also think it set a tone as far as a coach having confidence in his team. I think Coach Rivera des- um, demonstrated more guts and heart in that drive than we saw during the entire Jay Gruden era when he was the head coach here uh, with the team. Uh, the second thing I want to talk about is Dwayne Haskins. I know there's been folks that's been critical of Dwayne, but Dwayne, I said that uh, Dwayne didn't have to win the game. He just couldn't lose the game. Mm-hmm. And I think when you, you know, he, Dwayne went, uh, I think 17 for 31, like, like 180 yards, one touchdown, no turnovers. He managed the game well. You know, he, he led three red zone scores for the team that led to touchdown. So I think that was good. And then I thought in the X factor was um, going into the red zone production. I said that I, uh, I thought that Logan Thomas would be a factor. Uh, Dwayne demonstrated some chemistry with Logan when he did um, have the passing touchdown of Logan in the end zone against the Eagles. And then I just think the fourth thing, um, just being down 17, nothing we've seen in years past where the, uh, the team would have gotten down um that by that type of margin and they just would have wilted away and just lost the game, but they fought back, found a way to win against a divisional opponent. So I think even though it's one game is definitely clear as day that Ron Rivera has his team moving in a different direction. Yeah. I mean, like you say, if this was last season, and I think me and Carl got into this on the, the Burgundy zone uh, podcast last night, if this was last season, 17 zip down at halftime. And we'd been there many times before this team would have crumbled. Nate, what were you thinking uh, when the team, the Washington football team went down 17 zip? Dwayne Haskins was three for 17 at one stage. What were you thinking when we went 17 zip down? Were you like a lot of us? And like, I was, I was worried, but I wasn't as worried if I, if we had Jay Gruden as our head coach. What were you thinking, Nate? 
Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what, I I was really encouraged by the offensive play calling as far as play sequencing and play design. Now, the execution wasn't quite there, but you can see they're following the right process. And probably my biggest critique in the Gruden era um, was, a, was a sense of urgency. It seemed like whenever we fell behind, there was no sense of urgency to pick up the tempo. I, last year, the team was losing uh, – they, they were losing pretty much worse than any other team. They, they played with a lead less than any other team. They also had the 31st ranked pace when they were losing. So they still didn't care. They didn't want to pick up the pace. But you saw, you saw adjustments from both the defense and the offense on the fly. And that's something we've harped on with Jay Gruden and his staff forever. So you're seeing the offense pick up the tempo. You're also seeing the defense adjust to 12 personnel and actually play in a nickel defense instead of their base defense because their linebackers are not good in coverage. So instead of doing, doing that, they use more safeties and more defensive backs, and they were able to adjust to Philadelphia. Yeah, 100%. I mean, what stood out for me, uh, Carl, I'll come to you with this one, my friend. Dwayne Haskins, 17 from 31, 178 yards, one touchdown pass to Logan Thomas, no interceptions compared to Carson Wentz, 24 for 42, two touchdowns, two interceptions for 270 yards. People, I've heard a few people today say, well, Dwayne Haskins got a bit lucky. When a, when a football team doesn't turn the ball over, especially like we did last season, you have a great chance to win football games. Uh, what were you thinking about our, our quarterback yesterday, Carl? Now, I was I was upset with Dwayne Haskins and the way this team was playing in the first half when they were down 17 to nothing. There was a couple of things that had happened and there were reasons for that. One was being penalties. They were doing these stupid penalties that were extending drives to the Eagles. They were also giving up huge plays, giving up a third and 22 over top with no safety help is absolutely insane to me. I was pissed about that. Had There should be no explanation for that. If, if offense knows on third and 22, all they have to do is run a fly route and there's no help over top, they're going to do that every single time. More than likely, you're going to get a pass interference. But that being said, the most staggering stat to me about Dwayne Haskins in the second half, he was 10 of 15 for 102 yards. I don't care if he didn't blow the lid off the Philly defense. He did what he needed to do to put this team in a position to win the football game. There's no reason to critique anybody here and try to get on anybody in a negative aspect. Dwayne played well. He did his best. Alex Smith impersonation, that was keeping care of the taking care of the football and just moving the chains and putting giving this team the ability to win the football game. And that's exactly what Dwayne Haskins did yesterday. And that being said, you know what Carson Wentz's numbers are in the second half yesterday? I was taking notes throughout the entire game. His stat line for the second half, he was 10 of 20 for 80 yards in an interception, not including his four, not including the fumbles. So, look, Carson Wentz did not do well in that second half at all. The first half stats is the only thing that's holding him up. No, that, I think you're, you're spot on there. And what I, I was really impressed with, with, like, the start, obviously, no turnovers whatsoever for the Washington football team. I probably can't remember the last time I said that, you know, and yeah. that would that would really, really impress me. Maurice, what did you um, what did you think on the offensive side of the ball? Obviously, rushing, um, Peyton Barber got a lot of the carries. Antonio Gibson had nine carries for 36 yards. Peyton Barber had 17 for 29 yards with two touchdowns. What we, there was a lot of debate going in, obviously, since AP had left, what would happen with our running backs? What was your initial take on uh, yesterday's opening game, Maurice? I think that Peyton Barber, I mean, he played really well. I think he established himself as the, um, a veteran that has the experience, and he definitely played like a veteran. I think that what, you're, what you saw with the offense, 
um, this past uh, Sunday is what I talked about in our pregame show that the coaching staff was going to go with a hot hand. Uh, Peyton Barber scoring two touchdowns in a game, you know, being very effective as a runner, um, you know, run, running back by committee. Um, I think that's what you're going to see for the first couple of weeks until the team really figures out who's going to be the hot hand um, overall. But I think what I liked about the team is the team was balanced. You know, they passed, they had the right amount of passing, they had the right amount of rushing. Um, they were able to keep Philly um, off balance at different parts of the game. Um, when you come back 27 nothing on a team, that's some good offensive execution, mm-hmm. and that's some good, and that's some great halftime adjustments. And I, and I think that the thing that got me about the game, especially with Scott Turner, was how he was able to make those adjustments and put the team in a good position to win. And the offense did a great job of capitalizing uh, on the miscues of the Philadelphia offense um, forced by our defense. I mean, when you have a defense that keeps um, the team on a short field, it makes life a lot easier for the offense. And that was a big reason why Dwayne Haskins' um, passing stats weren't as high as people might want them to be because he, he, in the second half they're playing in a short field. I mean, the two turnovers, you know, the, the, um, not converting the fourth down that the Eagles didn't get in the second half, all those things contributed to the offensive execution. So uh, I think uh, what I like about Coach Rivera is he is putting this team in a position to win and, and playing winning football. And that doesn't mean passing for 400 yards and five touchdowns, even though that's what people who are addicted to fantasy football want to see. Yeah, I mean, Nate, how was it? How important was it? And how good was it that we got that score just before halftime? Uh, obviously, we had the touchdown pass to Logan Thomas from Haskins. That was that for me. That was big because we didn't want to go in at halftime with no points on the board. It would have made our task even harder. I mean, what, that was for me. That was a, a big, big. It's always big when you score, but for me, that was a big turning point. What did you think on that, Nate? Right. I think Maurice nailed it. Uh, we scored 20 points off of turnovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can count on that every single week or anything, but, you know, props to them for making some adjustments. Um, I I actually didn't like the balance on offense. You kind of talked about that a little bit. Um, they were pretty pass heavy on first down, which I love. I think they were 10th in the league this week in pass rate, which is great. They just, like I said, it was execution, but actually on second down, no team ran the ball more than they did in mm-hmm. 0.9 yards per carry. Why in the world are you running the ball that much on second down when you're already, you know, it's a long down and distance. They need to be more aggressive on second down. And I thought that's what put Dwayne in a lot of unmanageable positions where he's throwing from third and 12, third and 11. Mm-hmm. And he has, you know, he has no chance to make a play. So that's something I want to see them make an adjustment on, but I really liked I liked the play design and play sequencing for the most part. I think they just, you know, it, it's a lack of ex- execution. Haskins certainly missed some throws, but I mean the two biggest throws that stand out stand out to me. And I, you can check out my Twitter feed, but I just posted one. Uh, it was a second and seven in the third quarter where they were down by I think they were down by three points, and they're in the red zone. They're right in the red zone, and uh, Haskins hits Sim, Sims on a seam route, like a beautiful throw off a of play action. That was on second down, and that's that's what they needed to, to do more of. But and then the other big throw was uh, it was a fourth quarter. I think they were up by they were down. I think they were tied. Then it was a tie game. They're trying to go for the go ahead score, and uh, it was like third and seven. And he had a big throw to Inman when they were blitzing, and they were all up in his face. 
and he was able to step into that throw. That was probably the most clutch throw of the game. So hats off to Haskins for overcoming some adversity there. Yeah, that's the thing. And it is hats off to him for overcoming some adversity. I mean, Carl, we, we touched on it a little bit yesterday. I mean, the protection that Haskins had in the first quarter and most of the second quarter was pretty much non-existent. So all these people, there's a few people today still getting on his back saying, well, you know, he, 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 he can't do this in every game. I mean, the protection that he had in the first two quarters was it wasn't there really, was it, my friend? No, it wasn't. And running the football wasn't there. You, It's much easier to be able to throw the football downfield once you have an established running game. And they just didn't have that yesterday. They tried everything and they just nothing could work. Um, and so what what they had, what they found out is at the end of the half is when they went down the field and scored that touchdown, Logan Thomas, to bring them at 17 to seven. They realized what was clicking. They realized what was making this offense work, and it was an up-tempo, and they didn't need any play action to get the ball down the field. They were able to go down, and it worked. And that's why I felt like Peyton Barber got more of the carries because he fit the kind of uh, scheme that they were trying to do late in that game, and that was the short yardage situations, picking up those critical fourth downs, um, which he did, uh, one of, and he was able to get them in position to extend, not only get them another opportunity to score, but take more time off the clock. Get Carson Wentz and that Eagles offense less time to be able to come back and score points. And that's what they did yesterday with this offense. I'm incredibly impressed with what they did. It was a total and utter team win. And everyone could talk about Dwayne Haskins and his stat line, whatever you want. It doesn't matter. He got the W. This was a team win. This was a, a very good team in Philly that was injury riddled, but they were well coached and they all fight very hard. And the Washington football team was a better team yesterday. The key word there, my friend, as well, being team win. Every single person contributed. I mean, yep. Nate, what did you uh, what did you think of Terry McLaurin, Steve Sims? Not their most productive games, but like Carl just mentioned on, they played a team part. You know, Terry had five receptions, 61 yards. Steve Sims, three receptions for 50 yards. Not setting the world alight with them stats, but again, it's all part of the team. And let's be honest, we never saw any of that last season. I, I'm with Carl on this one. I, it is a team performance and every single person contributed we'll get on to the defense in a minute but what were you thinking from the offensive side of the ball with scary terry steve sims logan thomas getting a uh, touchdown inman played his part you know when needed him what was your thoughts on that nate yeah i mean i think when you don't have a talented group of skill position players you have to mask your deficiencies with superior play calling and play as a team like you guys mentioned so maybe McLaurin and Sims didn't have the most sexy stat line, but they they made they didn't have a lot of drops. Um, they made clutch catches when they have to. And I really thought once they started to throw the quick game and slants and quick passes that they really started to get into a rhythm. So and I think is just a rhythm a rhythm thrower in general. So I'd like to see more more of them get involved. But I mean, you you also have to remember, like Slay was on McLaurin the entire game. He he covered him. He he went everywhere with him. He shadowed him. McLaurin still did a good job. I mean, it's I, I was impressed with the receivers. I, I think Logan Thomas also looked great. I think he struggled with uh, you know short passes. He really couldn't separate underneath. But when you get him down the field in space, he presents a big target for Haskins. And that that touchdown play was just an incredible play call where the whole, the whole defense was looking at the motion and then looked over at the running back, running a flare out into the flat. And then it left Logan Thomas wide open and a great job by Haskins of moving his eyes over and then deceiving the defense to throw a strike. 
absolutely. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, Maurice, what what's the what's your main take from the offensive side of the ball? Obviously, we know how well the defense done. We're going to get onto that in a minute. What's your main take from the offensive side of the ball? Obviously, we watch a lot of Washington football. We've you know we've, we've watched it for the last few years under a very poor coaching regime. What's your main take? If you could take one thing that really stood out for you for compared to the seasons gone by. And what you want to see an improvement in moving forward? What what would you say your main thing is from that side of the ball? I think Scott Turner called a game plan where he took what the defense gave him. He did a lot of play calling to protect his quarterback. Uh, I think for the team, it was more important to see Dwayne Haskins perform in a game time situation and not make mistakes, lead scoring drives. I mean, again. Dwayne Haskins under center led the team to three touchdown scoring drives mm-hmm. and and two uh, field goals, um, which led to winning the game with no turnovers. Uh, I think there was another quarterback a couple of years ago before he got injured named Alex Smith had a similar type of uh, uh, formula that, you know, before he got injured, the team was six and three. So I think that in the other thing that people are, are completely missing is that this is a second-year quarterback who made his eighth start, who essentially was under his third coaching regime, right? So because he had Jay Gruden, then he had Bill Callahan, and now he has uh, Ron Rivera. And he um, didn't have a preseason, so he didn't play any preseason snaps. So this was literally his first game action, in-game action in 2020. Mm -hmm. And that's the way he performed. So... There were a, there's a lot of quarterbacks that that lost games like Dak Prescott lost, you know. Um, there's a I mean, there's a lot of I mean Tom Brady lost, you know. So you know, not trying to compare Dwayne Haskins to those caliber of quarterbacks, but but the point being is that as Herman Edwards said um, so uh, eloquently um, back in the day, you play to win the game. Dwayne Haskins played to win the game. He played within the confines of the offense. He listened to his coaches, and he got the job done. And I think that for people who are harping on his play, I mean, there's more. I mean, you hear more discussion about his stat line and the fact that the only stat that really matters is the win, the W. That's what's most important. And I think that there's. I think Dwayne has a tremendous ceiling, and uh, and not a floor. So I think we just got to see how the season plays out. Yeah, I mean, Carl, nothing speaks team to me more than the fact that the, what I heard after the game, our quarterback, Dwayne Haskins, standing up and giving the halftime team talk while Ron Rivera was on an IV drip. Obviously, we all know what Ron Rivera is going through. So kudos for him for even being at the game. Nothing speaks to me more about how far Dwayne Haskins has come when I heard that he stood up and done the halftime team talk. 17-0 down. Could you imagine him doing that? Even, you know, I wouldn't wish ill health on anyone, but imagine if Jay Gruden was in a situation last season. Not a chance in hell would Dwayne Haskins have stood up and done that speech. Um, what was your what was your thoughts on that? I was so, so impressed with that. Yeah, I absolutely loved hearing that. It showed the growth in Dwayne, and it wasn't just for the cameras. It wasn't just for social media. Um, he act, was full frontal, putting himself out there as a leader, and obviously the team responded. And that's the only thing that you can honestly hope for in that situation. I'm so glad that somebody did stand up and say something at halftime because I, I was feeling a little bit pissed off. I know it was <laughs> at the end of the half, but the fact is I was pissed off the way that they were playing. And I'm glad that somebody else uh, reciprocated those uh, those feelings and thoughts. 
And I'm glad that it happened because this team needed a kick in the butt. And I'm glad that Dwayne Haskins was the one to give it to him. Yeah, 100%, my friend. Kudos to Dwayne for doing what he done at halftime. Nate, just finishing up on the offense, what do we need to improve on going into the Arizona Cardinals game next weekend? Yeah, I mean, it's going to come down to more execution. We're going to have to get a lot more efficient. Um, I really, like I said, I wasn't impressed with the offense, but they did they did just enough. They scored 20 points off a turnover. But uh, I mean, I'm really excited, though, for the direction of the team. I, I think Scott Turner is the real deal. You kind of see everything he's done uh, in Carolina sort of mesh over here. Um, and I think it's going to pay dividends down the road. I think he wants to play to his players' strengths. And I think he understands what Dwayne is good at and what he struggles at. And I think Dwayne, it's kind of the snowball effect. He's going to get more and more confident the more he has these big wins, these comeback wins. Um, so I'm, I'm very optimistic. And I'd really love to see Antonio Gibson get more involved. I, I think – I know everyone loves Peyton Barber because he got two touchdowns. But, you know, touchdowns are – there's a lot of variance to those. Um, he, he's been an inefficient runner pretty much his whole career. I'd love to see Gibson get more of those opportunities. He, there were two or three plays where he had a chance to just take it to the house and he either slipped or one, one guy couldn't block for him, but I want to see him get even more involved and I'd like to see that happen sooner than later. Yeah. I mean, the Peyton Barber, like you say, touchdown to touchdown, but one was a one yard run and the other one was a three yard run. So yeah, I, I, I definitely see what you definitely see what you're saying there. Before we get onto praising what was a great, great defensive uh, performance, we spoke about this on previous pods, Carl. What did you make of Troy Apke? Uh, Troy Apke had an amazing game. I thought he played well with eight tackles. That being said, he did have a couple lapses in judgment early on in that game, but nobody can sit here and say they had a good first half um, with the Washington football team. I thought he played extremely well. Uh, I think that in the second half, he made the right adjustment and played well as that free safety kind of valve um, because Carson Wentz tried to go deep multiple times in the second half, and it just wasn't there. Apke was there around the vicinity, even if the balls were inaccurate. I love the way that he played in the second half with eight tackles. That It's funny because we make a joke that Troy Apke listens, listens to the podcast because we talked about like two months ago that Troy Apke like a deer. You know, he, he's very fast. He's gliding. You know, he's, he covers a lot of space, but he's not a thumper. You know, he doesn't come up and actually truck you over. And then training camp comes around and he, and he hits Logan Thomas and all of a sudden he's getting eight tackles in his first game. Yeah. He, he's, he's proving us wrong. Yeah, 100%. I think I'm in a complete agreement with you. And now we're on to the defence. Maurice, I'll come to you first. And let's talk about one man. He now holds the sack record, Ryan Carrigan. Maurice, I wrote him off last year. I'm not going to sit here and deny that I didn't. He's proved me wrong. I'm glad to be proved wrong. Uh, What are your thoughts on now he's our leading sack uh, record holder? Well, I think what, first of all, congratulations to Ryan Carrigan for, you know, making a historical achievement of being the all-time sack leader for the Washington football team, formerly known as the Redskins. Uh, that's the first thing. The second thing is I think with this infusion of youth, you know, with Chase Young and Montez Sweat, and Matt Ioannidis, you know, Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen, Tim Settle, um, you know, especially on the edge, you know, him coming in fresh, he's still a disruptive force. So, like, if you can take someone with Kerrigan's talent but you can kind of reduce the load on him, but he, but he becomes more impactful because he's not tired, you know, 
he can be a, a significantly disruptive force. I mean, with three sacks, one forced fumble, um, I mean, those are like NFC Defensive Player of the Week numbers. I mean, you know, if you ask me, um, he should definitely be up there for NFC Defensive Player of the Week uh, with those type of numbers. Um, and, and the thing about it is and if that's the kind of productivity that we can get from Ryan Kerrigan within this rotation of defensive linemen, uh, uh, NFL, watch out. I mean, that was really, really scary, uh, a scary performance. Um, I mean, not scary for us, but definitely scary for the Philadelphia Eagles faithful. Yeah, I mean, 100%. All kudos to Ryan Carroll. Like I said, I wrote him off last season. Uh, I'm very, very glad to be proved wrong. Nate, let me come to you, my friend. The second overall draft pick, Chase Young. First time I've actually got to see him live. 1.5 sacks. What did you think of Chase? For me, wow, does exactly what he says on the tin. Unbelievable performance. Disruptive. That That's what I think of when I, when I watched Young yesterday. Just... Every play, he made an impact. And the big thing I really enjoyed was there was rotation on the defensive line. Everyone got in on the action. And it was even more encouraging that even playing with a deficit, they were still still able to rush the passer. Because, you know, when you're playing with the lead, the offense can get more creative. They can run the ball. They can throw the ball. And you have to be ready for anything. You can't pin your ears back. But they were still able to be disruptive both on the outside and the inside. And I think that 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 was huge, and that's going to pay dividends down the road because I mean they're projected as underdogs in fourteen to sixteen games. So if they can get a pass rush going well, playing with, without a lead, I mean that's huge. Yeah, I mean Carl, one of the things that impressed me most was the speed of the defense. It was unbelievable. We we, we got eight sacks because we were like lightning. You know, Ionitis, Sweat, Carrigan, Young, all of them, Bostic. What what really stood out for you with the defense? I mean, we got into it a little bit on your podcast last night, but. What really stood out for you, obviously, from seasons gone by to yesterday's performance? It was like night and day, wasn't it? Yeah, and last year when you watch, or previously when you watch his defensive line, it was almost like they would read the play and then they would react. They would engage the offensive lineman and then react to the play. Where in regards to this year, Jack Rio has kind of taken the chains off them and said, hey, we want you guys to dominate the line of scrimmage. We want you to dictate what this offense is going to do. And that's what I saw yesterday. A lot of kudos to Jack Rio, like Nate had alluded to, for being able to combine all of these rushers together to be able to produce eight sacks. For Ryan Kerrigan to come off the bench and get two sacks and to be able to get the record in the first half is absolutely amazing. A lot of credit to him. They had the recipe for success yesterday. One person that I was really impressed by was John Bostic. A uh, low-key mm-hmm. flies under the radar with eight tackles, and he had a huge sack, sack. Late, yeah. in the, late in the game on fourth down. He sacked Carson Wentz for a turnover on downs. Basically, that sealed the game for Washington. And then you can't you can't talk about Jimmy Moreland. The dude, the, the people's corner, the people's dad, like I like to say, going to get that interception and almost taking it back to the house. Uh, he had six tackles on top of that. He was blowing up screens left and right. This was a very aggressive and, like you said, fast defense. I was incredibly impressed. Yeah, the speed of that defense. And don't get me wrong, we're going to need that speed against the Arizona Cardinals next week. Uh, Maurice, what was your overall take of the whole performance defense, offense, what what's different is such like I just said to Carl, it's night and day between last season and this season, and we've only played one game. So that for me is kudos to Ron Rivera, Scott Turner, Jack Del Rio. I mean, just an unbelievable performance all round. It's so good to be sitting here on a Monday and talking about a Washington win game one. Uh, I think for me, the takeaway is mental toughness. Uh, 
I think like you know we'll talk about the sacks and we'll talk about you know the touchdowns, um, but I think just the mental toughness of that team, you know, to you know weather the storm of being down seventeen nothing to come back and beat this team. I mean, I, I I go back to the fourth down call that Ron Rivera made. I think that that play alone really signified the difference between the Rivera era and the um, Gruden era, just mental toughness, being aggressive, um, you know, having confidence in your players to execute and they execute. And I think that um, even though it's just one game and we just want to put everything in its proper context, you can see that this team has already taken on the personality of their coach. And maybe what we're seeing is that the adversity that this team has experienced in the offseason has translated to this team bonding you know, basically being forged under pressure of just so many external factors, you know, the team name, all the negative press about the sexual assault, you know, just uh, everyone counting against them. I mean, pretty much everybody in the NFL media universe picked this team to lose. Nobody thought they were going to win. So they literally shocked the world yesterday. And I think, and, I, and I've been saying all offseason that it was more important for Washington to win this game than it was for Philadelphia. And now that they've won this game, now they have some confidence going into week two. Um, they're not going to go in feeling like they're the worst team in the NFL. Uh, they know that they have a dominant defense. They sent a message not only to the Philadelphia Eagles, but the entire National Football League that this, de- this defense is for real. And th- this defense is only going to get better as the season progresses. So I think um, it was a great win for the team, a great confidence booster, um, and I hopefully that we'll see more wins like this, and hopefully they can exceed the expectations that so many so-called NFL insiders and professionals have about this team's uh, potential in 2020. Yeah, well, very well said, my friend. Nate, what's your what's your what's your take on it? I'm kind of of the impression now with the the Washington football team. It just felt like a, a completely different vibe. But, you know, un, you know, we had the whole thing with the name change in the Redskins. What a way to start as the Washington football team. What was your whole takeaway of just the entire day and moving forward for this organization? Yeah, I mean, I was just I was impressed across the board. They, they dealt with adversity. They were able to make adjustments, which is something we've harped on with Jay Gruden forever. Um, they, they didn't give up. And I, I'm excited to see this matchup next week. I mean, Arizona is someone, if you watch them, they stretch the field uh, horizontally instead of vertically. Uh, so they they use they use a lot of throws outside the hash, really quick throws. Yep. And that's a test our cornerbacks who are very aggressive. And I, I think you're going to see a lot of double moves and play, ac- play action to get off of that. But I, I really like the willingness of our defensive backs to come up and make tackles. I think that's going to pay huge dividends, but I'm I'm anxious to see this pass rush against Kyler Murray. I think that's a that's a daunting task for him, um, but man, he he's so elusive too. So I'm really I'm really intrigued to watch this matchup. And like I said, I just want to see the, I want to see the offense improve. That's that's what I love to watch. So yeah, I mean, Carl, uh, finishing up with you, my friend. What was your whole take on that? Well, obviously, there's been so much talk about it before the game. Obviously, we had the the national anthems. The stadium looked different. Everything was completely different. I was really impressed the way the stadium looked. It was yes, there was no fans there, but I didn't think it affected us too much. We, and obviously, we've gone into it in quite a few podcasts. What was just your entire day like? Your take of our first ever game as the Washington Football Team. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, as corny as it is, I was incredibly proud of this team. Mm -hmm. Um, Just based on the circumstances, what they've dealt with, 
during this offseason with the quarantine, finding out about Ron Rivera, him not being able to be at practice some days, uh, and then them continuing to be professional, work throughout this process, and be able to go win this one for coach, and then to give him the game ball. Yeah. Um, it just, it just yeah. shows you the, the goal and the respect that they have for Ron Rivera. I, I can't talk enough about how great of uh, how happy I am of this team. You know, it's funny because I, I've never covered this team as much as I have this offseason, yep. and it's and it has never been this crazy. It's never been this nuts. And to see them come out and win this game when nobody else thought that they were going to, um, I, you know, I've said it all offseason. I was banking on them coming in and punching the Philadelphia Eagles in the week one, and that's exactly what they did. And I'm just so happy it happened. I mean, for me, you, we said it earlier, guys, team. We feel like a team now. Under Jay Gruden and under coaches gone past, we had, we've had some good individuals. But for me, yesterday, and like I think you said earlier, Carl, we felt like a team. And for me, I think that's what we need to. I think that's what Jack Del Rio is going to instill in this team. And I, I think it can only be good things moving forward. I mean, Maurice, I mean, we, we and you, we met up a couple of years ago when we watched the former Washington Redskins. Even then, we, I went to the home opener versus the Philadelphia Eagles what a difference yesterday was. It's the first time I've actually felt, and it was the fans included, myself, you guys, uh, every single fan that I spoke to, we feel like an actual team. Yeah, I think that, I mean, one of the things that I recall yes, I mean, yesterday watching the, the game, like when we were like in the hunt trying to get back in the game and you see the team playing with some passion and intensity and, and just being ferocious, you know, both sides of the ball, you know, you totally forgot about all the drama that the team had been going through the past couple of years. Like, you were just caught up in the moment. You know, you didn't care that there wasn't any fans in the stands. You didn't care that the team name had changed. You were caught up in the team and supporting the team. And I and I had, like, that warm excitement that I've always had when the team is being successful. And I think for us, I think for fans, uh, you know, anyone that supports the team, you know, covers the team, seeing them perform at a high level when everyone's standing against them, it's exciting, you know, like, you know, you want to be proven right that your support for this team matters and seeing um, these players execute the way they did. Like they played like they cared about being a part of this team. They played like they cared about wanting to win the game. Um, They played like it mattered that the fans support this team. That's what I saw yesterday. And I think that's what's really, really important moving forward. You know, there's only one game, but it's a good start. Yeah, very, very good start. Nate, have your expectations now gone up after yesterday's uh, game? Yeah, I mean, I think I had them winning six games. Um, I'm I'm pretty comfortable with that projection right now. But really what I'm looking forward to this year is just progress and seeing all the young players develop. And right now their growth is expedited. I mean, you're seeing instant production from rookie pass rushers like Chase Young. It's pretty awesome to see. But I mean, if they continue to play this way, who knows? The division is wide open. I mean, you have uh, Blake Jarwin going out for the year. You have Van Der Esch on the IR for the Cowboys. The Eagles have a ton of injuries right now, and the Giants are, are a wild card. I have no idea what they'll be like. So right now, I mean, wh- wh- why not us? 100%. I mean, Carl, finishing up with you, my friend, um, what next for the Washington football team? What do you want to see? We've got the Arizona Cardinals coming up this weekend. How far can this team go, buddy? Uh, I th- I think they can win this division. You know, I've said it all off season. And going against Arizona, I think their number one issue that they have to keep in mind and keep an eye on 
is Kyler Murray's ability to escape the pocket. They did not run the ball well yesterday with Kenyon Drake. Kyler Murray had over 100 yards rushing. The way that they are going to be able to beat the Arizona Cardinals is being able to contain Kyler Murray, keep him in that pocket because he doesn't like to be in there throwing the ball. They get batted down a lot. Yet the San Francisco 49ers is a very good defense, and Kyler Murray was able to chew them up yesterday because they lost gap integrity. That has to be the number one point this week because I think it's a week-to-week basis. I think they can win this game on Sunday. They just have to be able to contain Kyler Murray, make him throw from the pocket, and they'll be able to win. 100%, my friend. I mean, let's see what this weekend brings, but let's enjoy this W. I mean, Nate, first of all, thank you so much. This is your first appearance on the uh, on the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed your time with us. Where can our listeners find you on Twitter, my friend? Hey, Andy, thanks so much for having me. You can catch me on Twitter at uh, JayhawkChalk underscore, and I write for FPC Washington, so you can check out my work there. No problem. Carl, what's coming up this week on the Burgundy Zone, buddy? What days are you on? What can we expect this week, my friend? We've got the usual. You'll catch us. Uh, you'll find us with an episode tomorrow and Thursday, tomorrow night and Thursday night, two different episodes. And then we'll have our normal post-game episode on Sunday, probably going to be releasing around 7.30, 8 o'clock once that game goes through because the game starts at 4. Brilliant, my friend. Maurice, me and you will be back again on Wednesday. We will have our sh- uh, pre-game show dropping again on Friday. Make sure you go and follow the DC Tweet Team at DC Tweet Team 1932. We are on Apple Pod, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcast, Overcast. I think I've got them all in. This has been the DC Tweet Team podcast. Till next time, everybody. Thank you very much. Washington football. Woo! <laughs> Woo!